What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today, I'm going to talk about something that I never talk about ever. Hopefully, you can hear the sarcasm in my voice. I'm going to talk about sustainability. But coming at it from a perspective, I got into a back and forth with somebody on Instagram, as I tend to do. I know I probably shouldn't, but it's entertaining. And uh, I like the dialogue, especially when it comes from a place of respect. And actually, this conversation did. So I wanted to elaborate because there's only so much context. And I feel like the converse, the comment section often gets misinterpreted. And there's not enough space and time to really dig in. So I wanted to do that on this episode. And, and really, it was about making sacrifices. I made a post that basically said, if you're not willing to do something forever, you shouldn't be willing to do it for any amount of time. And I got somebody who was like, well, yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. However, there are certain seasons of life where it's okay to do things that maybe you wouldn't consider doing forever. So I wanted to, and, and I actually agree with that, but I think that there's more to it. And as we started to get into this back and forth, I think the person was kind of missing the point. It is something that I talk about as a filter to make better decisions. If you're not willing to do something forever, should you be willing to do it at all? And that's what I really want to dive into. Um, and understanding the perspective of different seasons, different phases, different goals that you're trying to accomplish. I think that most people get this wrong. I think that most people assume that because there's a fat loss goal, because it's a different phase of life, that they should do things that are extreme. And the mindset is, I'm just going to suck it up for this short period of time. And then I'll quote unquote, go back to normal. And that can really set you up for failure in the long run. So I wanted to elaborate on that. I want to dive deeper on that topic. I think it's super important. I'm sure I sound like a broken record, but again, the things that I repeat are the things that we need to hear from multiple different perspectives and angles because that's what really makes it stick. So in order to be successful, sometimes it's, it's more about hearing the same message over and over again versus hearing brand new messages all the time, which can create uh, you know, distractions and shiny new object syndrome and all of that. Um, I am back home. Mel and I took the kids to Miami for their spring break. And I uh, just wanted to share a funny story. We, uh, we got home yesterday and uh, kind of a slight scare and emergency situation that happened getting home from Miami. So we had booked our reservation. There's five of us, myself, Mel, and her three kids. We get to Miami, no problem. We have a great trip. Uh, it was just a few days, but beautiful weather. They got to see the area and enjoy the beach and the pool and all the different things, walk around, have some good food. It was a great time. And then yesterday, which was Saturday, our flight was, I think, scheduled for 345. And we're getting ready to pack up and head out to the airport. And Mel looks at her phone and she's like, what the hell? Why don't I see Dylan on the reservation? And that's Dylan's her son. He's 13. Um, she has two girls and a boy and he's the middle child. Anyway, I pull up the reservation. And I'm like, holy shit, I don't see his name on here either. So we're like freaking out. I, ch I call American. Now here's the, the classic situation. You can't get a person on the phone. They're like, your wait time is 90 minutes. And I'm like, well, by that time, you know, I need to figure out what's going on here. So I'm like, why don't we just go to the airport now? 
Like forget like whatever. We'll, we'll wait on hold. If somebody picks up amazing, but like, let's just get our shit together and go. So we rush down, get everything out. We head off to the airport and I go to the gate and I'm like, so there's five of us traveling together. And apparently you decided to just remove the 13 year old boy from the reservation without telling us without any reason, like he's just not on the reservation. So she's like, okay, let me help you out. Pulls up the reservation. She's like, Oh, are you talking about Dylan? Like, yes. She's like, huh, that's weird. It says that he was a no show. And I'm like, I'm sorry. She's like, he said he was a no show. Like he didn't make it on the trip here. I'm like, well, he's clearly here because he's right here and he didn't teleport. And we, we all came on the flight together. What, what's going on? So like, yeah, well, you know, they have him as a no-show, so he automatically gets canceled for the return flight. Like, isn't that something, number one, that should have been caught, like, at the time? You know, like, there's a cross-check, right? You Anytime you, you fly, let's just say the person scanning the boarding pass forgets to scan it or it doesn't go through or something happens. I'm pretty sure that they count the seats, and if there are empty seats or whatever, like, they have a a checks and balances system, I thought. And so for some reason they marked him as a no-show, but obviously he's there. They gave the seat away. Um, Fortunately, she was able to get him booked back on the flight. Unfortunately, it was not together, but not a big deal. I sat by myself on the flight and, and let Mel and her kids sit together. It's crazy to me that that first of all, that that can happen. And there's no way like they should have been able to catch that from the beginning. And then second of all, how do you not communicate that? Like, how do you not get a heads up? Hey, we saw that you're in your party of five, that one person didn't make it. We're canceling the return flight and the seat. And this, this was the other fucked up part is that the woman who was helping me at the gate or at the, at the desk said that the seat was marked as full. Like they, they knew that there was somebody in the seat. So somehow they missed like the cross-reference and somehow they didn't reach out. Anyway, I'm going to have to call them and I feel like we should be compensated in some way. I don't know what what's right in that situation, but I'm going to call and just say like, hey, you guys kind of fucked up and whatever you think is fair, I think is fair too because I, I don't know. It was kind of a crazy situation. Like, what are we going to do? The our contingency plan was I was just going to stay in Miami for an extra night to try to get another flight back the next day. All the flights were full. We looked, uh, it was going to be a, a really shitty situation. Fortunately, they were able to help, but um, know, we were kind of freaking out for a second there, but just wanted to share the the craziness of travel. I, I feel like since COVID airlines, especially have just been really struggling to get their shit together. If you, and then, the, the cherry on top was that our flight kept getting delayed. Uh, we eventually made it back late last night, but it was just like one thing after another, like the seat situation and the delays. Then we land in Philadelphia and then we're sitting there and they're like, oh, sorry, the gate's not ready yet. We're like, well, you've had an extra, you know, two hours to prepare. How is the gate not ready? And I don't know. I feel like airlines have really been struggling. So no, uh, no reason to share that story other than I thought it was a funny story to share. Um, no relevance at all. But anyway, we are wrapping up the the giveaway that we did, uh, the spring scholarship. We gave away a year free coaching. When this episode airs, we'll probably be like right before the reveal party, which is going to be Monday night. Um, so we are giving away 
a year of free coaching, six months of free coaching, a macro guidebook to every single person that applied. I'm also adding in a bunch of different stuff to the prize pool. We're going to give away some neurotype training programs. We're going to give away some partial scholarships. Um, I've got some other stuff up my sleeve that we're going to give away, probably some supplements and things like that. But we like to uh, we like to get back to the community. And this the reason why I'm mentioning this is because if you're listening and it's too late to apply, we do shit like this frequently. There's times where I literally get on a team call and the the topic is just like, what can we do for our community? And we just go around and the entire team, we just start rattling off ideas, ways that we can give back. So the point is you should probably stay informed and join and, and subscribe to the email list, which is the best way to get notified. The Facebook community, the email list, the two best ways to get notified immediately. So the Facebook community is called the Personality Diet and Neurotype Training. The email list, you can go to neurotypetraining.com slash email, and you can subscribe to the emails. So let's get into the sustainability conversation. Um, If you enjoy this episode, please do me a favor, leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. and Take a screenshot of the episode, post it to your stories on Instagram and tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. So let's talk about this, this idea of filtering decisions through the lens of if you're not willing to do it forever, you shouldn't do it at all. And I believe that. And I'm, I need to provide more context, but I started in this industry as a personal trainer. I worked at a very small gym. Uh, locally, that was privately owned. And that was my first exposure. Like before I got into nutrition, I found I fell in love with strength training. That was my first like paradigm shattering moment of, oh my God, I don't have to do hours of cardio to see progress. In fact, the hours of cardio that I was doing was actually counter to the goals that I was trying to achieve. So it was doing more harm than good. When I found strength training, I absolutely fell in love. It was the first time that I noticed like tangible progress that wasn't simply scale related. Like I loved the idea of getting stronger, of being able to notice that I'm lifting heavier weights and um, I'm feeling better and my energy levels are higher and I'm noticing better definition and all of that stuff, performance, all of the benefits that we know have like that occur from strength training. I was just falling in love with those, those things and those feelings. However, I was still struggling on the nutrition side. And the gym that I worked for when I went from client to personal trainer, they used to run these six-week challenges. And the six-week challenges were designed to lose 20 pounds in six weeks or you got your money back. So it was very uh, restrictive in the nutritional protocol. And it was a lot of working out, a lot of cardio. So very heavy on the eat less, move more piece of advice. And um, a lot of people would hit the goal. And then after the six weeks, they would gain all the weight back. And it was the same people. There was, you know, these challenge whores, we'll call them for lack of a better word, that would just sign up for, and I don't mean that negatively. I just mean that they love doing the challenges, but they would lose the weight, gain it back, sign up for the next challenge, lose the weight, gain it back, sign up for the next challenge. And they were just so obsessed with with the whole challenge format because it catered to the desire for quick 
results. And even though they couldn't see past the fact that they're starting back at square one every single time, they would just keep doing it. And the part that always stood out to me was the way that they would communicate as I would talk to some of these people about why do you continue to do these challenges? The words that they would use always stood out to me. They would say things like, I just want to do this for a short period of time and then go back to normal. And that was like everybody, like then go back to normal. And there was this you know, group of people and they would finish the challenge and then they would all go out and they would celebrate and they would drink and they'd eat a bunch of shitty food. And like immediately they would start to unravel. And nobody in that group ever, and I shouldn't say nobody, but most of them didn't connect the dots that going back to normal, quote unquote normal, was getting them back to square one. It was undoing all of their progress. Now, here was the key. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were simply doing something with the challenge that they weren't willing to do forever, which is why the results were never sustainable. So the key here is when you are doing something and you think that I should, I just need to suck it up and do this thing and then get back to normal. If normal got you to a place where you were unhappy and dissatisfied and struggling and frustrated, then getting back to normal literally means you're going back to that place. You're going back to the struggle, the frustration, the unhappiness, right? If normal got you there, and then you go back to normal, it's going to pull you back there. This is exactly why I talk so much about behavior modification and a true lifestyle change. Because all of the things that you've done up to this point have gotten you to exactly where you are. You're exactly where you're supposed to be based off of all of the decisions and actions that you've made and taken up to this point in your life. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Meaning if you truly want change and you want that change to last, We have to modify behavior and we have to create a lifestyle that we truly want to live that supports the goals that we say we want. Now, through the process, you might realize that the goals you say you want aren't the goals you actually want. And that's totally okay. Awareness is a beautiful thing. However, if you're not living a life that supports your goals, if you're not willing to do the things forever, then the results likely won't be sustainable. So it's an easy way, like for for those people, by the way, most of those individuals who are going through challenge after challenge after challenge are still struggling because they're still in that mindset. They're still in the, I need to do something for a short period of time and then go back to normal. A lot of them have not truly committed to the lifestyle change, to the behavior modification, to actually committing to doing this forever. It's more about, I just need to do something because I'm uncomfortable I don't like how I look. I don't like how I feel. Let me rip the bandaid off and then go back to normal. But again, normal is what got them there in the first place. So it's not going to solve the problem. So most of them are still stuck in that place, unfortunately. Now, when we understand this, it's easy to make better decisions when it comes to a program or challenge or process. When you analyze, like, if I'm If I catch myself saying, I just want to do this thing and then get back to normal, that's an immediate red flag. Or if you're like, you know what, this really seems unsustainable, but I'm just going to suck it up and do it for this short amount of time. Also a red flag. 
anytime you catch yourself negotiating or rationalizing or justifying something that you know you're not willing to do forever, red flags should come up and then you should reflect and you should sit with that feeling and then make an informed decision about whether you want to go through with that thing. Now, having said that, what about the conversation I had with this individual on Instagram who was like, yeah, but there are seasons and phases of life where it's okay to do things that you wouldn't be willing to do forever. Now, I partially agree with that. And I'm going to tell you the exceptions to the rule because there's always exceptions to the rule. Number one, let's say you want to try your hand at competing. You want to step on stage. You want to compete in something at a very high level. You want to push yourself on a performance, aesthetic, whatever. It could be, you know, you want to run an Ironman. It could be you want to compete in bikini or bodybuilding. It could be you want to compete in something, whatever, CrossFit, doesn't matter what it is. Typically, the things that you're going to need to do to compete at a high level are not going to be sustainable for real life. That's okay. That's okay because you have a very specific goal that requires a higher level of sacrifice. Now, once you learn what it's going to take to get to that level, you might decide it's not worth it. I can't tell you how many people think conceptually that they want to step on stage and compete, but then when they actually go through the process, it does way more harm than good. And they're like, yeah, you know what? I actually don't want that at all. I don't want to wreck my hormones. I don't want to you know, end up with a disordered relationship with food. I don't want to hate my body. It's probably not worth it. Again, it has to come from a place of awareness. So if you decide that it is worth it, and a lot of people do um, get fulfillment out of competing, for me, I'd be willing to go out on a limb and say that most people who do that are almost justifying their already existing disordered relationship with food. When it comes to aesthetic-driven competition goals at the highest level, a lot of it, I'm going to say 90 to 95%, I'm just throwing out a number. So, so I know there's going to be people who are like, well, that doesn't apply to me and I compete. Like, great, you're the exception. But for 90 to 95% of the people, my opinion is that they use the competition goal to mask or to justify or to validate their already existing disordered relationship with food and or their body. That is my belief. So I still think that there's some relevance to the question of, am I willing to do this forever? Now, let's say you don't have a goal like that. There may, may be another situation where you would do something that you aren't willing to do forever. Like if you have some kind of a medical situation, or if you have some kind of a food intolerance, or there's something coming up that you might think, like it might be solved, some kind of an issue, autoimmune, food intolerance, medical issue, hormonal issue that might be solved through a dramatic nutritional approach or something or a drastic change in your eating habits that may feel unsustainable from the standpoint of getting that solved and resolved, it might be worth doing something that you're not willing to do forever. So that's another exception to the rule. Outside of that, let's, let's talk about phases and seasons because I'm going through it right now. I finished my photo shoot and now I'm living life again. And you might say, oh, well, why would you do a photo shoot and restrict and uh, get pretty aggressive if you're not willing to do that forever. 
Now, here is where the distinction is really important. First of all, I only cut about once a year. So the first major issue that most people face is that they spend most of their life trying to diet. They're trying to lose fat 24 7, 365. That is not okay. It's not healthy. It doesn't work. It's psychologically draining. It's physiologically damaging. Let's just call it what it is. It's harmful to try to diet and starve yourself all the time. It's harmful to have a fat loss goal year round. I don't care if you have 10 pounds to lose or 200 pounds to lose. Having a fat loss goal year round and never taking a break is not okay. It's okay in the sense that you're an adult and you can make your own decisions. It's not okay in the sustainability front, and it will create psychological uh, implications from a relationship with food standpoint, relationship with your body, relationship with exercise, all of that. It's documented. It's proven. I'm not saying anything outlandish. I'm just speaking to what we know to be true based off of psychological research, uh, You know, being able to look at anecdotal evidence and understanding how human metabolism works. So let's just get that out there. Most people, mistake number one is they have a fat loss goal year round. They cut calories year round. They never spend time at maintenance. They never spend time stabilizing. They never spend time taking care of their metabolism. And then those same people are like, well, I would love to eat more than 1200 calories, but I just gain weight every time I increase. Of course you do, because you created that situation. You made your bed. Now you have to line it. There's, nothing, there's no other way to go. You have to repair. You have to heal. Again, you don't have to because you're an adult. If you want to improve your metabolism, if you want sustainability, if you want to stop fighting against yourself, then yes, you have to. So that means sucking it up and being uncomfortable for a little while. Now, so that's... That's mistake number one. Here is the biggest difference. It's okay to take a period of time where you are a little bit more dialed in, where you're a little bit more um, diligent, where you're a little bit more extreme, whatever you want to call it. It's okay to take a period of time where you turn up the notch a little bit. But here's the thing. It should not be that much of a change from what you normally do. And this is mistake number two. And this is the biggest point that I want to make. If you're taking a hard left, like your everyday life is, you know, let's just use an analogy. Like your everyday life, you drive on, you know, the road and it's pavement and you've got your, you know, you're used to the certain type of car. You're used to how it handles uh, you're used to all of these things. You have a lot of experience driving this way. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I really want to get to this destination a lot faster and a lot more aggressively. So I'm going to change the terrain. I'm going to change the vehicle. I'm going to change. Like you literally overhaul everything. You go from a four-wheeler to a two-wheeler. You stop wearing your helmet. You, st you, know, you start speeding. You go on you know, off-road. All of these things change immediately at once. That is a hard left. What I'm saying is that there's times where you're in the same vehicle, the same terrain, you're used to how this car handles, and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to push the gas pedal just a little bit more to try and get to this destination slightly quicker and more efficiently. 
Does that make sense? Like we're not changing all of these things. We're just dial, turning up the notch a little bit. So when you have a phase of life that requires more diligence, more consistency, some sacrifices, it should not be a dramatic shift from what you normally do. So here's some practical examples. Let's just say normally you eat pretty well, but you also have some flexibility. Like, you know, maybe you spend two days where you're not tracking anything. Maybe you go out to dinner two times per week. Maybe you drink alcohol three times per week. Then you're like, you know what? I really want to get lean for summer. I want to drop 10 pounds by the, by the summer. I want to look better naked when I have less clothes on. I want to feel confident over the summer. Okay, cool. I'm going to bring back one of those days where it was previously untracked, but I'm going to start tracking. So now it's six days of tracking instead of five. I'm also not going to go out to dinner two times per week. I'm only going to do that once per week. And I'm not going to drink three times per week. I'm only going to do that twice per week. That right there is enough to move the needle considerably. You may not have to make any additional sacrifices. That looks very similar to what your real life looks like. Slight, slightly more diligent, slightly more dialed in, a little more sacrifice, but totally doable. And, there, and there's the distinction. Yes, you would probably be willing to do that forever, but you don't have to. It's just a phase. It's just a season. It's a specific goal. So you're dialing up the notch just a little bit. You're not overhauling everything. You're not changing everything all at once. You're just tightening things up just a bit because you have a goal. Now, when you have the goal and you set the goal, just fucking get it over with. You know, I can't tell you how many times people... And if we're going to keep listing out mistakes, this is mistake number three. I can't tell you how many times people are like, yeah, I want to do this thing. So I'm cool with these sacrifices. And then they half-ass it. They barely commit. They don't do it. They drag it out. And they're like, oh, this isn't working. No, you're just not committed to the goal you said you want. You're not making the sacrifices you said that you were willing to make. You're not following through on the promises that you made to yourself. It has nothing to do with this isn't working. It has everything to do with you are not working it. Maybe the goal is not important to you, which is totally fine. Just be honest with yourself. Don't say you want something and then your actions don't align with your words and then you blame the process. Windows and mirrors, windows and mirrors. You're not looking at a, out a window. You're looking at a mirror and you're trying to claim that it's a window. All of my problems are out there, out this window. No, that's a fucking mirror. All your problems are looking back at you. Just be honest. If you don't want the goal, it's okay. Just say, this is not that important to me. I'm not willing to make these sacrifices that I thought I was willing to make. When I jump into a fat loss phase, it's one time per year. I'm getting in and getting out as fast as I possibly can because I don't want to make those sacrifices forever. I'm willing to. I just don't want to. And I'm honest with myself about that. So now I can loosen back up again. I don't have to push the gas pedal as hard. Now I am living the lifestyle that supports my maintenance goals which means I'm still eating well. I'm still strength training. I'm still walking. I still prioritize sleep. I still prioritize self-care. All of the things from a behavior standpoint, those are all in place. This is why we talk about the foundation. This is why we talk about the habits, the anchors. It's so funny how our challenges have a higher level of success than most one-on-one -on -one programs, meaning that 
with less accountability, with less communication, with less attention, personal attention from a coach, we still get better results through our challenges than most programs do with all the attention in the world. And the reason is very simple. The key and the secret sauce to our challenges is that we prioritize and we hammer home the importance of anchors. We do not shut up about the behavior modification that needs to occur. We had somebody who lost like 30 pounds on our challenge just by doing her anchors, nothing else. Didn't care about tracking food. Didn't care about getting to the gym. Was like these three anchors, I know I can do day in and day out and be successful. That was it. We've had people kill it through the challenges and feel like, I don't understand why I'm making so much progress because my nutrition's kind of been hit or miss and I got sick and I traveled and I did all these things. Like, yeah, because you just focused on the anchors. That's the secret sauce. It's the behaviors. It's the day, the day-to-day shit that compounds over time. If we can just get you to zoom out and see the big picture and commit to a longer time preference, it's inevitable that you're going to get to where you want to be. But it ha- we have to have that foundation because then when we go through certain phases and we make certain sacrifices, certain seasons of life that maybe you want to be leaner than others, it's just a slight adjustment. It's not an overhaul. And that is the key. And that was the distinction that I was trying to make when I made that post. And, and you know, the person that, that was going back and forth, we were on the same page about a lot of things. Um, my feeling is that if you're trying to drop some body fat, if you have a, a specific goal and you have to overhaul everything in your life to achieve that goal, it will not last. That was the biggest difference um, that we had, the difference of opinion. And that's fine. I totally agree with the exception to the rule when it comes to like food intolerance, medical issues, hormonal issues, things like that you're trying to sort out. I totally agree with the exception to the rule if you're trying to compete at a high level. However, when it's just a lifestyle approach, when you simply want to get leaner for summer, I disagree. I don't think that it's okay to overhaul everything and then quote unquote, get back to normal because I've never seen that work. Maybe it has, and I just don't know about it. I'm totally open to being wrong about that. However, I've never seen it work. So Let's just recap. First mistake, uh, trying to. First mistake is living in fat loss 24 7, 365. Okay. That's the biggest one. Um, number two is now, now I've got myself all out of sorts. I don't even remember. Um, the, the second mistake is when you completely overhaul everything all at once. Um, and number three, you know what? I am literally, I have literally no idea the three mistakes that I made. I'm trying to go through it in my head and I absolutely cannot remember. So the beauty of this being recorded is that you can go back and listen. This is what happens when I go on tangents and I start ranting. I can't even remember the main point, but it's all recorded for you. You can go back and listen and hear me go through the, the three mistakes that most people make when it comes to sustainability. Um, I know for a fact that number one, is trying to diet all the time and always trying to pursue fat loss and never taking breaks and never supporting your metabolism. Let's just get that one. Like, let's nail that one down first. um, And then we can hit the other two. And if you want to know what the other two are, then you should probably pay attention. Unlike me, who just goes on tangents and rants and then loses his train of thought. But that is a clear sign that I should be wrapping this up and uh, going to get some food because clearly uh, I, I need some some fuel for thought. Anyway, hopefully this was helpful. 
Um, sorry, I couldn't tie a nice pretty bow on it at the end, but go back and listen because there is gold in there. This is the key, like sustainability, behavior modification. Stop trying to do shit to rip the bandaid off. If you're not willing to do it forever, you shouldn't be willing to do it at all, except for the exceptions that I mentioned medically, hormonally, things like that. Or if you're trying to compete at a high level, just be cautious with, with competition. Like don't just set the goal to rationalize something or to try to validate something or justify, like be honest with yourself, be honest with yourself. Awareness is always the first step to change. Hopefully that helps. If it does, I'd love to hear about it. Let me know, hit me up and I will talk to you guys very soon.